Donald Jeffries Show. And welcome to the Donald Jeffries Show. This is Donald Jeffries, a very special guest today, just a really delightful person, a genuine movie star. I don't get to talk to too many movie stars. Sally Kirkland has had an incredible career. I'm looking at her bio now, and it's it, it, it could equal any average hundred people off the street. She's accomplished so much, but she's uh, she was uh-huh. n- nominated for an Oscar in 1987 for the movie Anna, and she won a Golden Globe. She's won the Independent Spirit Award, the LA Film Critics Circle Award. Her her IMD base is very impressive. She was in movies like The Sting, The Way We Were, uh, Bruce Almighty, and from our standpoint of my audience, JFK, which we're going to talk a lot about that, many others. But uh, And she's kind of a renaissance woman, too. She's a, an exhibited painter, a poet, and I've listened to her broadcast as the Reverend Sally Kirkland of the Church of the Movement of Spiritual Inner Awareness. So she's just an incredibly rounded and fascinating person. Sally, so pleased to have you on the show. Well, thanks for having me, Don. No, it's it's a real pleasure. So, let so let's talk uh, first of all because you know how did you get involved and in, in act on you? You talked about your mom was, uh, I think, knew Jackie Kennedy because she was uh, and uh, worked for uh, Life magazine or something. Tell us about how how you came yeah. into the world of acting. Oh well, because my mother was a fashion editor of Vogue, and. Um, Life Magazine and the senior editor of Life Magazine. She used, her name was Sarah, but she changed it to Sally Kirkland for her byline. And so when I was born, she named me Sally Kirkland Jr., which women normally don't do. Men do that. But um, anyway, she did that. So when I was old enough to know what was going on, I think around 10 or 11 or 12, I was determined to make a name for myself where people would know me as opposed to my mother. So I went to a dramatic camp when I was 11 called the Valley Drama Camp. And then I kept acting, and I was president of the drama club all through high school. And then I didn't go to college. I went right off Broadway. <clears throat> Excuse me. And for 10 years, I starred in off-Broadway plays in New York. And then Hollywood called for the sting and the way we were. And I came out here, and I liked it. And I decided to live in L.A. So basically, it's been about 270 films. And um, you name some of the ones I like. Um, yeah, I, uh, I I love film and I love theater. But I think I love film more because um, it's so, it's so uh, what's the word, immortal. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, long, after, long after I pass on, my performances will live for thousands of people, if not millions. So I'm very uh, happy that I made that choice. Yeah, that's a giddy feeling, isn't it? It's, I can't imagine how that feels. But you, I, I told you when we were talking the other night that uh, you never know where you, and you didn't even know this, but I was watching a special on John Belushi on Showtime about his life, and I'm fascinated by him because I think I told you, and my audience probably knows I've mentioned that as well. Belushi was obsessed with the JFK assassination in, in real life. They don't talk about that, just like they don't talk about Freddie Prinze being obsessed with it either, but he was. Sal Minio as well. And they all just happen to die unnaturally, you know, for what it's worth. But uh, the, during this time, they have a scene where they're at a party, and your name is just dropped, and there's no context to it. So I, I don't know why, but they just happened to film at the time saying, did you meet Sally Kirkland? And uh so I hope you get to see that because it was it was really cool. But it just shows that, you know, that was probably 1982, something like that. 
and that you, you were you were already a name then that your name was being dropped at a party. I mean, John Belushi was a huge star at that time. I have an idea of why that happened. It's only a guess. But in the 70s and 80s, uh, there's a man named George Christie who wrote a column in The Hollywood Reporter every day during the week. And he called me the salonier of Hollywood because I used to give these huge parties. One of them was 500 people wow. in honor of Bob Dylan, Bob De Niro, Al Pacino, Dustin Hoffman, you name it. They were all my friends, and so everybody wanted to meet them. So everybody tried to get into my parties, and I would have bodyguards and people at the door with long lists of people who were allowed in, and if you weren't on the list, you weren't allowed in. So if I have a feeling that that, that might have been, uh, I don't know if he's still alive, Bruce. Anyway, whoever that was, I remember it was an actor that I knew, and he might have said, do you know Sally Kerfman? Mm-hmm. Meaning, have you been to her parties? Oh, <laughs> because gotcha. Belushi would have loved my parties and all. Oh. The were there. <laughs> so, did you get to meet Belushi? Did you ever meet him? I did once. Mm-hmm. I met him once and told him I was a fan. He was very kind and sweet to me. Um, that was so many years ago. I, I was with De Niro, I believe, the day after he died so tragically. Yeah. And, and uh, I think, I think we both had a lot of tears in our eyes. Um. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I I did give those parties, and a lot of deals were done at those parties. A lot of <laughs> movies, a lot of producers found their co-producers and their stars at those parties. So that was one thing that I came up with when you told me that. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, I, so you're a big party giver in Hollywood, and obviously you knew, and you you you've said that like Bob Dylan is. The, the you know this, this is you, you the love of your life or whatever so and he then this is obviously yeah. with, with so many people at love and how did you come to know Bob Dylan and, and De Niro's another huge star that you were friends with how, how did you because were you in movies with De Niro and how, how did you come across Dylan oh wait wait you asked me the first question about Bob Dylan right yes um so uh in New York in the village I lived back in the early 60s and uh I, um, you know what? Hold on a second. You got to hold on. Don't go away. Okay. Da, 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 da. We're waiting for Sally Kirkland. It's an interesting look at uh, Hollywood networking so far, Don. I got to tell you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sally's got some fascinating contacts, and I want to. Uh, are you there? Are you still there? Yes. There she is. Yes, we're we're still here. We were just talking about you. How fascinating you are. Um, hold on. I have an awful feeling that there's this person outside waiting to drive me someplace because I didn't tell him the time of the interview. Oh. Hold on. Okay. Um, That's all right. Live radio. <laughs> this is live radio. <laughs> so it's it's okay. Live live radio. Anyway, Sally, so uh, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna keep telling my story. So anyway, I was 22 years old in the village in New York. And Bob was 22 years old, and he was performing with or without Joan Baez at Carnegie Hall. And my friend, Freddie Hellerman, who was an older friend, if you remember Pete Seeger Pete on the Weavers, sure. he was one of them. So Fred Hellerman was one of the Weavers. He took me to a concert that Bob and Joan were singing at, 
and backstage there was a, a, a line of, you know, people, guests to greet them. And so when it came to me meeting Bob, um, I had this experience that I, I almost fainted. I had been a fan of his, of course, like everyone, but um, it was so profound that I, I lost my balance and nearly fell down. It was very, very uh, earth-shattering. And so I said to myself, you know, I, I'm going to know this person somehow. I'm going to know him more than a receiving one. And uh, years went by, and like I said, I was a fan. I played his music all the time, around the clock. And then in 1975, I met a woman named Sharon Kemp, and we were at a party, and uh, she had grown up with Bob in Hibbing, Minnesota. And she, she said to me, uh, I want to become a theatrical manager. And how do I do that? And I said, well, you got to get some, some uh, name actors to sign with you. And I said to her, if you introduce me to your friend Bob Dylan, I'll make you a theatrical manager. So, <laughs> so she did, and um, I got Susan Strasberg, who was a movie star then, and yes, yes. a woman named, there was a young girl, Chris DeBell. Anyway, I got these people to sign up with her, and uh, she brought me to Bob's rehearsal for uh, the Houston Astrodome concert in 1976, which was going to get Hurricane Carter out of jail. Yes, I remember. And, uh, and so uh, I went to the rehearsal, and, and Bob came up to me, and he said, are you from the North Country? Are you, uh, he said something about, are you Swedish? And I said, no, but people ask me that a lot. And, and he said, um, and I said, oh, you mean girl from the North Country? Yeah. Uh, you yes. know, knowing his song. And he said, he laughed. He said, what are you doing tomorrow? And I said, what would you like me to do? And he said, well, do you want to come to Houston and watch me do this concert? And I said, sure. And he said, well, you and Sharon, and as it would be her brother, uh, meet me at the, um, I, I forgot the name of the hotel. It's right in West Hollywood. And we're all going to go on a bus to the airport and get on a private jet. And then he said, you'll sit with me in the back row. And I, of course, was mind blown because I had such a crush on him ever since I was 22. And um, everybody was on that plane, Stephen Stephen Stills and Richie Havens and Rico, mm -hmm. Ringo Starr. It was yeah. like 50 stars on that plane that were all, maybe I'm exaggerating, maybe it was 35, that were all going to be in this concert along with, with Bob. It was sort of the beginnings of the Rolling Thunder Review. It was that kind of a, um, you know, a group. And... Um, so anyway, uh, as life would have it, um, I had this great lovemaking session that weekend with him and started dating him and um, was absolutely mind blown because I so worshipped his concern for the underdog and all of, all of his social causes, and his stance against segregation. I, I was so impressed with his intellectual abilities as well as his musical ones as well as his love making and um so anyway eventually we went our separate ways he got married i got married to other people and and then i hooked up with him again in the late 80s when i was being nominated for anna for for mm -hmm. the oscar and i asked him if he wanted to go as my date uh to the oscars 
he was at that point not married, I don't believe. And um, and at first he said yes, and, and then his manager got on the phone with me and said, Sally, you can't be taking Bob to the Oscars. He's supposed to be in this city, in this country, you know, on tour kind of thing. Um, but we were friends, and uh, and then we hooked up again romantically in the late 90s, and um, that was when he was doing Time Out of Mind, and I was living in Malibu, he was living in Malibu. He came over and he said something like, um, would you do my life story on your radio show? Um, wow. I think I had KYPA or KYBA or KYPA or something. And I had since 98, I've always had a radio show every week. Now it's on healthylife.net. But back then it was KYPA or KYBA. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was thrilled. And then as fate would have it, Christian Broadcasting bought out the network I was on. And so that never happened. But anyway, we've been friends ever since then. And I'm going to see him for the first time in years uh, uh, backstage at his concert May, I mean, June 16th. Great. Um, the week after next or two weeks after next or however that works. Okay, so Bob I love. He, he really was my favorite boyfriend in my life. Bob De Niro I met. Um, I was living with an actress named Susan Terrell. And she, uh, unfortunately, is in heaven now. But she was uh, acting with Al Pacino at, at um, Lincoln Center in New York. And apparently she had a date with Robert De Niro. I didn't know. Nobody knew who he was. This is 1967. Yeah. And, and then at the last minute, she was sick or something happened. And she said, Sally, you go out with him. So <laughs> we lived in a, in a 6 floor walk-up. With, uh, it was a cold water flat. We only paid sixty-eight, uh, $85 a month. And the bathtub was in the kitchen, and there was no stove. You had to put a, one of those heaters on a, a little round, you know, tiny little heat-up-one-pot thing. And um, he showed up at the door after climbing six stairs and had flowers in his hands. And I said, hi, uh, Bob. My name is Sally Kirkland. Unfortunately, Susu is sick. She asked if, if I could go out with you. And he was painfully shy, incredibly shy. Looked down at his feet and um, uh, could barely talk to me, but he said yes. And so we went to see his movie, Greetings, which was only his first or second film he had done in his life. Uh, Brian De Palma had mm-hmm. done a student film, student film with him, and then this was his second film with Bobby and... Uh, I went to see it, and I thought he was absolutely brilliant. And I said to him afterwards, who, who did you train with? You're incredible. And he said, Stella Adler. And, of course, I knew who Stella Adler was. Next to Lee Strasberg. Those were the two most famous teachers you could have. I said, would you be willing to come with me to the actor's studio? I'd love for everyone to see your work. You're incredible. And he said, yes. And I brought him initially to meet Shelley Winters, who was like my mother. She was my godmother. Yes, yes. And and she saw the same thing I saw in Bobby, that he was extremely gifted. You could tell just by watching him and and, uh, studying him. And so she wanted to put him in Bloody Mama, which was Roger Corman's film. Mm -hmm. And I was supposed to be in it. But as fate would have it, Roger Corman's brother, Gene Corman, was dating Diane Varsi. And so the Me Too movement existed back then, and <laughs> I was not in the movie. Diane Farsi was. But Bobby got his part, you know, his first Hollywood movie. 
and and then um uh like i said we dated in 67 68 and then um uh that time went on and i got a call at some point from andre eastman who was the casting director for the godfather and she said sally paramount doesn't want al pacino to do the godfather to anybody else that you know at the actor studio or otherwise and i said yes his name is bobby de niro and it's very important that you call him right away. And uh, then I called Bobby and said, you're going to get a call about um, doing the part that they wanted Al to do in The Godfather. And he didn't believe me at first, but um, as it turned out, um, Andre Eastman brought him in and um, Coppola thought he was incredible. And Bobby was smart enough to know, let me see how this went. It was something like, um, he sensed that they would end up with, with Al, and that is what happened. But he he got another role, didn't he, how it works out? <laughs> yeah. I can't remember. You guys remember for me. But anyway, yeah. so I was mm-hmm. responsible in my way for him being in The Godfather. And um, anyway, we've been friends ever since. Uh, he used to be married to a woman named Diane Abbott, and we were best friends. We did Shakespeare together, and Bobby would send flowers every day to her, and there we would be doing, uh, what was it, um, Twelfth Night. And these flowers would come to the theater. Um, he's just an incredible guy. And uh, I got to do a, a play called The Boob Tube by William Inge at the Actors Studio with him. And afterwards, Lee Strasberg said, if you put these two actors together into one person, Sally Kirkland and Bob De Niro, you'd have the perfect actor. <laughs> and, and then he explained it was because Bobby De Niro was brilliant at character, character study. He could become a character and totally blow your mind because it was different than the last character. And he said, Sally Kirkland is the most vulnerable actor I've ever seen. And if you put these two people together, you'll have the perfect actor. So that was kind of amazing to hear mm-hmm. back in the uh, 60s. And um, so there you go. That's how I met the two of them. And I'm well, so excited I'm going to see Bob the week after next. Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, you, you've already, I mean, just, just the, the people you know, it's fascinating. The circles you're running and you're kind of setting these things up and getting people parts. It's incredible. Now, I, I was reading on your bio that the first movie you made was directed by Andy Warhol, and I think she's out there listening now. Laura Rubin, uh, was uh, she has become a friend of mine, and she uh, uh-huh. ran, she was part of Warhol's entourage in the 60s. Did you ever uh, really? run into her? Yeah, she was mostly a photographer, but I think she was in some movies, like some really low-budget films some or whatever. Black and white underground. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't remember automatically, but it's very possible that we knew each other or passed across. Um, I actually did a couple of films before, Andy. Um, if you go back to 61, if you look on my IMDb, I was in a movie called Hey, Let's Twist with Joey D and the Starlighters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I couldn't get an acting job. I was a twister at the Peppermint Lounge, and the, and the mafia would, would mafia would throw fifty dollar bills at my feet. Um, and here I was, a former debutante, you know, being supported by the mafia. Um, <laughs> and then there was another film I can't remember the name of it that came after that. And, and then it jumped to nineteen sixty four with Andy. Andy was a friend of my mother's, who, as I said, was a uh, mm-hmm. fashion editor and one of the two senior editors of Life Magazine. She was the first person to give Andy publicity in the pages of life. 
showing photographs of his shoes because he really? was into shoes mm-hmm. and and drawings drawings of his along with the photographs of his shoes and he used to before he became a painter um extraordinaire he used to do the window uh uh, settings in, say, Lord and Taylor or Saxon Avenue, mm. the New York fancy stores, the, the window settings would be by Andy Warhol, who at the time was an unknown. So they knew each other. So he used to love my mother. He would escort her to Club uh, Studio 54. And, um, and finally, in 1965, I guess, well, wait a second. What, I, I can't remember which year, whether it was 64, 65. Mm. Anyway, somewhere in there, I met Andy. He took me out for lunch, and he had a camera with him on a tape recorder. And he said, "Do you mind if I photograph you and tape you?" And I said, "And of course, if I had to do it again, this it never would have gone down like this." But I said, "No, no, no, no! Please don't photograph me. Please don't tape me, <laughs> because I'm an overground actress. I've actually I'm in the union equity. Mm-hmm. I'm in movies." And the people you do, they're, they're underground actors. They, they, they're not a union member. They're not really known as a legitimate actor. I was such a snob to Andy <laughs> Warhol. Had I known what he was going to become, I would have said, yes, photograph yeah. me, interview me. Um, but anyway, that was our first, inc- 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 what do you call it, incident. And yeah. then his right-hand man, Gerard Malanga, the two of them decided to make me one of the 13 most beautiful women so I was photographed for that and became one of his women along with, I believe Edie Sedgwick was there, definitely Nico, um, Mary Warnoff, um, uh, oh God, I can't remember. There were a slew of wonderful women, baby Jane Holter. And, um, and so we so you, were the undergrad. We were, we were the factory. So, you, yeah. so you, had the, you had the most fascinating connections in New York? As well as Hollywood, and Sally, you're just incredible. It's unbelievable to talk to you. It's giddy, you know, hearing about these these names you're dropping that you're friends with. But uh, I, it was inevitable. The, the, the chat room says, "Okay, when you dated Dylan, did he ever mention an interest in the JFK assassination?" We know he has one because he finally came out with that song. Tell us. Yeah, well, that was his 16 minute song, wasn't it? Yes, yes, yeah. The JFK song he did was 16 minutes long. I don't know any more than you guys do about that. I mean, he and I never talked about that one on one. But but I was blown away by that song, um, and it's the only sixteen-minute uh, song he's done in his life of five or six hundred songs. So clearly, he had a profound interest. Well, he um, he, mu- he must have because my friend Bob Wilson, who's in the chat room, uh, he was very good friends with Michael Canfield. I don't know if you've heard of Canfield. Uh, Michael Canfield and A.J. Weberman, who I know Dylan knows, because A.J. Weberman, he's the one who invented I'm trying to get him on the show. He's the one that invented Garbologist. In fact, he he gave me his phone number, but he hasn't called me back about coming on the show. But uh, they co-wrote Cody Town in America, one of the books about the JFK assassination. And and I didn't know until I talked to Bob Wilson that Canfield and uh, Bob Dylan were really close friends in real life. I think they were in each other's weddings and everything. And and so... The subject must have come up because Canfield was invest. He was in my world, you know. He was investigating right. all kinds of, you know, conspiracies all the time. So th- that's interesting. Well, he probably when he saw you, Sally, he probably had other thoughts on his mind other than the JFK assassination. I'm guessing. Like <laughs> <laughs> <Aww, laughs> that. You. So, well, they, well, they want to know. So, but you, you brought up JFK, and I will say at this time that my mother 
knew Jack and Jackie. She knew Jackie mm-hmm. better than Jack because she put Jackie on the pages of Life all the time. And on the cover, um, as one of the two or three senior editors of Life, um, so, and she was over at my house once, but unfortunately I was not there the day she was there with my mother. Um, but they were friends. And at a certain point, John Jr. called me. I'm trying to think what year this would have been. Mm. Um, it would have been in the late 80s, along about when I was nominated, I think. What year mm-hmm. was, did he die? Uh, 99. Yeah. He he used to go to school at a school named St. David's right on mm-hmm. 89th Street where I lived. And I would see, I'd look out my window and see him going to school all the time. But he called me in the late 80s and said, I understand you're the best acting coach in New York. Will you teach me acting? Wow. And I said, sure, I'd be honored. you know. And so he said, okay, I'll call you back as soon as I can figure out my schedule, yada, yada. Well, it turns out that Jackie, who knew my mother, like I said, told him, no, 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 I don't want you to be an actor. I don't want, no offense to Sally Kirkland Jr., I don't want you to be an actor. And so he switched paths, and then ultimately we had George Magazine. But um, my mother, uh, was she really had a good friendship with Jackie. Now, jump cut sometime in my, oh, damn it. Can you hold on just a second? <laughs> sure, sure. This is Hollywood, folks. Hello, hello. Could be Bob Dylan calling. Sally Kirkland's still ultra popular even now. Uh, <laughs> could be Dylan, could be De Niro. Never know. No, no, I wish. No, I don't know who it was. I just hung up on them. Okay. So then um, sometime in the 80s, I think, I did a play. Oh, what was the name of it? Anyway, it was no, in the 70s or the 60s even. Yeah, it was 1966. I did a play called Fits and Biscuit about Jack and Jackie Kennedy. I played Jackie. Sam Waters yes. uh, yeah, yeah. played Jack. And Fitz was the name of their sailboat. And the gist of it was that they would go out sailing and Jackie had a nervous breakdown and kept threatening to Jack that she was going to jump overboard and drown herself if he didn't stop wanting to be president of the United States because she didn't, quote, want to share him with the world. She wanted a normal marriage. She did not want the life that he was wanting. Anyway, we, we got fabulous reviews. Unfortunately, there was an actor's strike that the night we opened, and it closed within a couple of days because of the, the strike of the actors. But be that as it may, um, I uh, Jackie Kennedy came to see it when we performed it at the actor's studio, which we did for three months before Off-Broadway. And she came backstage, and she had tears in her eyes, and she said, thank you so much for your performance of me. I really, I really love what you did. And uh, she hugged me, you know, mm. and she knew at that point in the 60s, she knew my mother. So I wasn't a total stranger to her. But I had that moment with her. And I always remember it's that, incredible. that I had made her, made her happy with my performance. And, um, and, wow. and, uh, Anyway, these are, these are so many. Huh? Is, 
Well, these are so many highlights you've had. It's you've had so many highlights. It's incredible, the memorable moments. You look back, it's unbelievable. But uh, obviously, we got to get to. Uh, well, first of all, somebody. There's a question on, on. You mentioned the Me Too movement a little bit. It says, "Can you ask Sally about the Hollywood casting couch issue? What are, What are your thoughts about the Me Too? Did you experience any of that when you when you went? Uh, I'm sure you saw it, but did you experience it yourself? The casting couch. Yes. What did you the say? Me Too. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I would call it the Me Too movement. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, early on, when I was way young, but I, I learned pretty fast how to handle them. I've always mm-hmm. been fiercely independent, so I can remember a guy named Archer King who I wanted to be my agent in New York, and he chased me around the room, and uh, uh, <laughs> I guess he was trying to rape me in his way, but um, I decided it wasn't worth him being my agent if it was going to be like that, so I just ran. But that kind of thing didn't really happen that much to me. I, I've always been fiercely, fiercely independent. Um, not weak in that area. I'm five mm-hmm. foot nine. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in my girls' school, it was an all girls' school, I played men all the time because I, I was the tallest person in class. So n- no man ever uh, did me in that way, no. Well, that's good. It's good to hear. But uh, and uh, just to let you know, and JFK Jr., uh, you need to read what I've written about him because he, they killed him too, Sally. I mean, I, I, I've, I've, I can't, he's not alive though. For the QAnon people out there, I'm sorry, he's not alive. He's not coming back. Okay, but, uh, okay. They, they, but they, but uh, I did the first extensive research on him. I, I talked to his high school girlfriend really? and members of his adult inner really? circle behind the scenes. He had, unlike all the other Kennedys, and it led eventually to friction between him and Caroline because he was obsessed uh-huh. with his father's assassination. And he was about to, I talked to the reporter who was going to be interviewed for a job with George Magazine that right as JFKG, he was going to be interviewed and his assignment was going to be the assassination of President Kennedy. He was coming out about really? it. So, yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's amazing. Really, you, you, really. So, yeah, yes. And so, but of course, that leads us into what my audience is most interested in. And, uh, you know, to anybody listening to this, to my show, probably they know you from JFK. So uh, for the for the opening scene, you're playing Rose Sharony. And as you know, we did that interview a couple of years ago where you with Michael Marcades, Rose Sharony's uh, son in real life. And he was that was a highlight of his life, you know, being able to talk to you uh, that, that played his Aww. mom in the movie. But he's, he still talks about that. But. How how did that happen? How did you get to, and people want to know about what was it like working with Oliver Stone? You've told me before, but uh, for the audience, how, how did that come about? And, uh, you know, describe the experience of Bacon JFK. Okay. Okay, so I used to give these parties, like I mentioned, um, and they were written up in the Hollywood Reporter. And um, Oliver Stone would come to my parties because I had all these beautiful women at the parties, and he was like, a, okay, He's still alive, and I love him. Uh, yeah. And I don't mean this. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard stories. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So he was a bit of a womanizer. He loved women. So at one party, um, I mean, yeah, at one party he met one of his wives, and so he was always very grateful to me for giving these parties because he hooked up with a wife. I know he's been married a couple times, if not three times, but anyway. Um, I, I I was friends with Oliver. He would come and speak to my students in my acting class on on Main Street in Venice, California. 
and he was always very kind to me. And when, when it was announced in the trades that he was going to do JFK, I called him and I said, Oliver, you've got to put me in this movie. My mother was friends with Jackie. Shelley Winters, my godmother, was friends with Jack. You have to put me in this movie. And he said, oh, Sally, I'm so sorry. It's all cast. This he says this and yada, yada, yada. And I said, well, you'll write something. You're Oliver Stone. And he said, oh, Sally, I'm so sorry. Anyway, we hung up, and three days later, I get a call from Oliver, and he said, you know, I was thinking about it and thinking about you, and you're such a good actress. At that point, I had been nominated for the Oscar and won the Golden Globe and everything. And he said, um, would you come to my studio, my office, and let's talk about this. And so I went to Main Street in Venice, where his studio was, his office, and he said, I'd like you to improvise three different women who were in Kennedy's life um, and may have in their way uh, said something about hearing there was going to be an assassination. And one was Dorothy Kilgallen, the talk show host. Another was a nurse. And another was the daughter of Irv Cupsonet, who was the top talk show host yes, in Karen, Chicago. Yes, Karen Cupsonet, yep. Yeah, current Karen. And he said, would you be willing to do that? And I said, sure, you're Oliver Stone. So I came there with an eeny-weeny bikini on, over which I had a skirt <laughs> and a blouse and a jacket. So I did the, the nurse first with my white jacket. or not? No, I did Karen first. And then I did um, the... the uh, Okay, I did Karen, and then I did the nurse. And then when it came to Rose, do I pronounce it Sharami, but you pronounce it Sharami? Sharami, I think, yeah. Sharami? Sharami, yeah. okay. Yes. So I had brought along, um, ironically, I had met George Harrison with Bob Dylan, and I told him, thank you for your album, All Things Must Pass, because your song, um, okay, now I forgot the name of the song, but he had a song on it that I used to, great, I used to love to dance to. And um, so I, I put on that music, Great and on. I started stripping, and I started screaming they were going to kill the president, and the tears were streaming down my face, and there I am in my eeny-weeny bikini. <laughs> and afterwards, Oliver said, oh, my God, how did you do that? And I said, well, you know, I've been training with Lee Strasberg since the early 60s, and we do something called an emotional recall, and as if, as if. I heard Kennedy was going to be shot, you know, et cetera. And he um, gave me the part on the spot. And then he said, um, Sally, I, um, you're going to be getting faxes. That was back in the days of the fax machine from my assistants. Um, he said, don't tell anybody that you're in this movie. You're going to have to find um, some kind of a paper that says you won't, will not talk about JFK until way after it's opened you know, because he said, I've gotten death, death threats. Mm -hmm. I've had death threats. And um, he said, um, you're going to be the first shot that we shoot. I think that's the way it went down. So they sent me my ticket to go to Dallas. And I did that shot that you see in the opening of JFK where uh, a woman is thrown out of the car, which would be Rose. And, and then you see me screaming, you fucking asshole! Something like that. And um, I remember that there was blood on my leg. I, I, I 
he wanted the stunt woman to do everything. I said, no, no, no. Have the stunt woman do the master shot, and I'll do the close-up. So I did actually fall out of the car, and there was actual blood in my leg, which horrified Oliver, but I was so proud of myself. And then he said, okay, we're going to call you back here in a week or 10 days or something to do the other scene in the hospital. And I said, okay. And uh, I go back to Dallas. And the night before we shot the scene in the hospital, he and Kevin wanted to take me out for dinner. And I said, okay, that's fine. But then Oliver said, what would you like to do to get ready? And I said, take me to a strip joint that could have been like the carousel that Jack Ruby owned. And I'd like to, you know, get in the mood to be a stripper like Ruby was. Ruby was everything, a stripper, a hooker, a gun, uh, what do you call it? A, a drug, gun runner. A drug yeah, yeah. runner. Right. And, um. So they took me to this place, this strip joint, and um, the obvious happened. You know, the strippers were there. They, as men's men, enjoyed it. And I said, I'm going to go backstage and ask them if they'll let me strip. So I went backstage, <laughs> and, I, and I said to the girls, my name is Sally Kirkland. I'm an Oscar nominee. I'm going to play this part in a movie I can't tell you the name of, but would you allow me to strip with you all? And they said, oh, Miss Kirkland, we're so sorry, but you're not a member of the union. Well, I had no idea that you had to be a member of the union to be a stripper. But I was disappointed. But I, but they all wanted to meet Kevin Costner. So the next thing you know, all the strippers are circling around the table of Kevin Costner and Oliver Stone. It was very funny to behold. I don't know what Oliver and, and Kevin's wives thought of this because I think word got out. But it was very funny and very colorful. And the next day, um, we go to the hospital to shoot. And Oliver says, how would you like to do this, Sally? And I said, well, I'm in shock. You're the director. You're a genius. Why are you asking me? And he said, no, I really want to know how how I can help you. And I said, okay, I'm a method actor. Would you ask the crew to wheel me down the hall even before you shoot me in the hospital room? And I'm going to be crying and screaming and in pain so they did that and I'm screaming about the pain and the the idea that I knew what was going to happen and they wheeled me into the room and I said to Oliver can you shoot the rehearsal but don't tell the actors and the crew just do the rehearsal and that's going to be my performance so they wheeled me in he shot it in 5 16 and 35 millimeter color and black and white all at the same time and the actors playing the press are there, and the actors playing the doctors are there, and I've got the bandages over my head. If you remember from the film, honestly, I don't remember the words I screamed. Maybe you remember. But it had to do with the idea, they're going to kill the press. Yeah, sure. yeah. It was something like that. And, uh, and afterwards, Oliver was just ecstatic. And he said, oh, my God, you nailed it. So, in fact, that was the rehearsal that went into the movie except it wasn't a rehearsal because that's really the way I like to work as an actor. I'm the stage actor and I like to have an audience. And if I had done it two times, it wouldn't have been as thrilling for me as doing it the first time with those people as an audience, you see? Mm -hmm. So there you go. That was how I met and worked with Oliver. And there's a wonderful book out called Stone. And there's a page that describes what I just told you. 
Absolutely. Well, it's, and I want to, you know, we're, we're, this is going so fast because you have so much, <laughs> such an incredible history to relate. But I want to give you a chance to talk cause, uh, about what you've experienced in the last year. You sound wonderful, but you have not been wonderful for a while. Do you want, and again, my audience can appreciate the problems you had with uh, the vaccine. Or do you want to talk a little about that? And I want to make sure we have time at the end for you to promote what you're doing because you're still busy and you have, you have projects to talk about. So do you want to talk a little bit about uh what you've experienced health-wise? You know, Donald, you can you can go over an hour if you want, but I'll oh, okay. Well, well, that's um, what we'll go as long as you as as long as you you can stay on. We'll have you. The audience loves you. Okay, I did an interview last week. A man named Jim Masters. It's on YouTube now, twenty-four-seven. We were on for two hours and thirty-eight minutes. Oh, wow! Were- wow! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can do that today, but, but no, I will, I will do this as long as it's fun. So you asked me a very important question because there's a lot of people out there listening to you that may or may not have had the COVID yes. vaccine. Yes. And I have strong feelings about it. So if you care about Sally Kirkland's strong feelings, I had my vaccine March 5th, 2021. And, uh, was deathly ill almost immediately um, after the shot, migraine, joint pain, nausea, vomiting, uh, so sick. And I got home. My friends told me that if I was still sick the next morning, they would drive me to the hospital or whatever. And sure enough, in the middle of the night, I came out of my room to get water. I had vertigo. The whole room was spinning around. I fell down, sprained my ankle. And um, somehow on my butt, I got crawling to a phone and got the manager of the building to come over, get in my apartment and lift me off of the floor into my bed. The next day I went to the doctor and I was under medical treatment from that point for seven months and a half with those symptoms. Wow. Um, and it's important, well, well, but it's important to realize too, when you first came, just to make people understand that, I remember reading your post at the time because I was skeptical of the, the entire this entire the vaccines and everything from the beginning. You weren't you were trusting, right? So you went into this thinking you were doing yeah. something good, right? Yes. Yeah, I was one of the first people that I knew to do it, and um, I will never have any kind of vaccine again for the rest of my life. That's how powerfully I I am against it. Um, I, for those of you listening who have had it, you you may be fine. Um, I had autoimmune illness when I was younger because I had breast implants and the poison from the silicone messed up my immune system. Um, I had them taken out in 1998. But if you've had any kind of autoimmune illness, you certainly do not want to do a vaccination for, for COVID. Um, at any rate, uh, it was seven and a half months of hell. It's over with now. Um, and uh, yeah, like that. Well, you you well, you sound great, and uh, I, I we're so glad because yeah, because unfortunately, you know, and people don't realize this, and again, this is my world that we were talking about early on that the the vaccine, and that's using the the mainstream statistics, which are very dubious and very conservative to say the least. Uh, they admit that uh, within the first couple months of this warp speed vaccine, more people had died from it than all other vaccines combined since 1901. And that's their statistics. The myocardia that's happening with children. You have children now that are having heart disease and never happened before. So it's crazy. So it's wonderful someone with your uh, prof- your platform 
uh, and your name coming out know, and speaking uh, about it. Donald, do you know? Uh, do you know, or do you know of JFK Jr.'s network? I think it's called Children's Defense. Yes, Gerard, Yes, yes, Children's yeah. Defense. Yes, yes, right. He's, he he does great work. So I was on twice talking oh. about this, but I was on. Oui. I was on when I still had the pain, and and I was crying all the way through it. And I got emails from people all over the place. And, and yeah. uh, in Europe, I got one email from Nigeria, I think. I got emails from all different people saying, thank you for being honest and open and truthful about this. I am now not going to have the vaccine. Uh, or they said I had the vaccine and I had problems too. Thank you for your courage and speaking out. Um, and I've always been somebody who believes in speaking out. Um, my mother was a journalist, like I said, at life. Um, and mm-hmm. I figure I've got this life to live. And I'm an ordained minister in the Church of the Movement of Spiritual Inner Awareness. And John Roger, who ordained me, said, your, your blessing is courage in the face of public scrutiny. So it's been like that all my adult life, that um, I've tried to be courageous and stand up for, for truth. Yeah. You know, recently I stood up for... Uh, screen Actors Guild actors um, to save residual, whatever it was I was doing. I, and I know what it was. I was We were marching out in the streets because we were angry that Screen Actors Guild was doing a mandate that this, the Screen Actors Guild members had to have the vaccine or they couldn't work in a film. Excuse ah, me? Excuse insane. me? So <laughs> you can imagine how loud I was on the microphone during that period. <laughs> That was just yes. two months ago, I think. So, yeah, yeah i I know that i I know that I have a lot of courage, and I'm not afraid of anything. So, if mm-hmm. I believe in something, you know, that's it. I believe well, in it, and I'll be I'll be loud. Well, it's so important, people like you, because again, you have a name. People know who you are, and you have lots and lots of you know famous friends that you know everybody's household names. And so it's 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 wonderful. And I'm not saying it's wonderful because I, I I wouldn't be talking about. It. We we know what's out there, and unfortunately, you experience it. And and like you said, everybody in my family except myself and my kids have had the vaccine. So I'm the black sheep because I won't have it. And right. so they you know they they've canceled right. me basically. I was not uninvited to a wedding. One of my nieces didn't come to my brother's funeral because I wasn't vaccinated. It's horrible. But that's happening in families all across. Yeah the country but it's you know i know what what i've read and and most yes most people that had the vaccine nothing's going to happen to them but the ones yeah. that do it's too, it's happening too often and people like you if you're if you're one of those people and something happens to yeah. your kids especially if your kid suddenly has heart disease so it's great you're speaking out because it's an and i'm i'm impressed that but that you were on bobby kennedy uh i've, I've talked i've had del big tree on the show Bobby Kennedy Jr. knows who I am. He has my books. We had the same publisher. So if you put a word really? in for me, well, you could, yeah, oh yeah, he's, he had the number one book in the country about Fauci. You know, that was the number one book in the country he wrote about Fauci. Well, this is what I suggest to you: um, reach out to Polly Tommy. That's his right hand. Polly T O M E Y or M M E Y, and tell her what you just said to me. And that I suggested that that she have you. She's the one that does the interviews. That Great. that she interview you for his network. Um, Wonderful. I, used to, I may have her number offline. You'll call me okay. uh, later tomorrow, and I'll look and see if I have it in my in my phone. But I'm That'd using right. my phone right now. Um, yeah. 
So um, what else? I can tell you about three movies I just did. Yes, that, yes. Uh, tell us. The, okay. the one, the one, tell exactly. the one, the one that sounds really fascinating to me is the one where you're with, uh, I guess, is, is the theme uh, still good looking older women with like Jane Fonda and uh, yeah, you. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about yeah. that. That sounds, that sounds great. What's that? What's that about? Okay. I'm not starring in that movie, but I have a cameo in it. Um, it's called 80 for Brady. And Tom Brady, the football player, is producing it and starring as himself in it. And then Jane Fonda is starring and um, uh, Lily Tomlin and um, Rita Marino and uh, Sally Field. They're all friends of mine. It was great hanging out with them. And my one scene is with Rita Marino. And honestly, I can't remember what my scene was about. I just remember that we were all madly in love with, with uh, you know, what's his name? Um Tom Brady, who is, who is it? Sure. <laughs> and I was at, my scene was at assisted living. In theory, we're all 80 years, 80 years old, and some of us are in assisted living. Um, but that's being edited right now, and I imagine it'll be out later in the year. And then I did a film um, uh, a month and a half ago called Murder Anyone, um, and that's by a very interesting young man who will be a household word pretty soon. His name is James Cullen Bressack, B-R-E-S-S-A-C-K, and um, he's 29. He's uh, he's produced 42 films and directed 26 films. Wow! And he's 29. <laughs> um, he's directed Bruce Willis, and he's directed Mel, um, you know, Australia, Mel Gibson. Um, so I put my money on this guy. It's called Murder Anyone. And that's in editing now. And the third one was called Skeleton in the Closet. And I I star with Terrence Howard and Cuba Gooding Jr. And we shot it in Las Vegas. Um, and I play, a, a, what do you call it, a gypsy um, a fortune teller. Fortune teller. And I, and I tell Terrence with tears streaming down my face that his daughter is going to get cancer momentarily. Um, so... All three films are really good films, and um, I, uh, you know, I'm lucky. There aren't that many people who are 80 years old who are still working. So yeah. I'm going on. I'm in my 62nd year of acting. I've, I've never had to stop acting. I've done 270 movies. Um, oh, it's incredible. And, uh, of course, I, I was just going to say I have a friend, Eric Roberts, Julia's brother, Eric, he's done yeah. 700 movies. So I can't wow. really catch up to Eric. Really? <laughs> that many? I, I wouldn't think that. Yeah. Some... Hey, go ahead. That? I'm sorry. No, is that, yeah, that's, I, I, that's a lot of movies. 700 movies. That's like the golden age of Hollywood when the studio made you be in five or six years. Yeah. It's a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah, like Shelley Winters, my godmother, she was under contract to the studios and they would have him do a different movie every week or something. But I uh, know he's wonderful. I love Eric. Um, and we, he and I have been in five movies together, but the only, the only name of the film I can remember right now is, uh, best of the best, uh, James Earl Jones, Eric Roberts and Sally Kirkman and best of the best. That was a, a martial arts film that back when it came out, everyone stopped me on the street and said, coach Wade. <laughs> my name, Coach Wade. 
I heard a, I heard a story about she- yeah. I heard a story about I heard a story about Shelly Winters. Tell me if this is true or not. That she couldn't okay. stand to be she couldn't stand to be alone, and she would go down to I forget the name of the all night restaurant or diner or something. And she when the when Theodore. the waiters would Theodore. okay yeah she would have the waiters okay she would have the waiters come back to her house and read scripts with her because she couldn't stand to be alone. Is that true? Probably. It was called Theodore's. It's on the same block I live on. And um, she would go, and, and she always had the same table, and everybody would converge on her Tuesdays and Fridays when the actor's studio met uh, about three blocks away and sit with her, and she would tell stories. And she was lonely. She'd have me come over, and she'd have me spend the night all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, she um, she had this guy, Jerry DeForge, who was a gay man, and... Uh, he, for the last 15 years of her life, made her laugh. And she would always call me up and says, get Jerry. So I'd have to go find Jerry DeFord to get him over <laughs> to her house. And then and then uh, her daughter didn't like that, so she put a restraining order on Jerry. Maybe he was doing some drugs or something. And um, I would sneak Jerry over to her. Anyway, she loved me. She was my adopted mother. Her own daughter didn't want her to be an actress, and my mother was busy at Life magazine. So mm-hmm. we had each other, and she wrote a play for me and Bobby De Niro called One Night Stands of a Noisy Passenger, and I played her aged 18, and Diane Ladd played her age 40, and um, I can't remember the guy who was... Oh, Richard Lynch was my scene partner, and Bobby De Niro was Diane Ladd young lover because I don't know if, if they had a love affair or not, but um, she loved young men, Shelly. Mm-hmm. And, and she taught me to love young men. So I, my <laughs> first husband, my second husband was 10 years younger. My boyfriend after that was 20 years younger. So whether yeah. I like it or not, I, I followed well, the footsteps ju- of Shelly. Well, you're just doing what powerful men have done for a long time, right? Yeah. You know what? <laughs> Thank you for saying that because that's true and nobody's ever said it that way publicly. Thank you. Oh well, it's not, it's it's obviously true. I mean, that's that's but, but uh, yeah. It's a, well, this is this is fascinating. We could we could go any so many talk about a little bit about the because people don't know about that. And I'm still wanting to see it. This this film Cuck that you did maybe a two years a year or two ago. Uh, it sounds fascinating, but wh- where can we see that? I it hasn't shown up on any of the movie channels. Are you sure you couldn't find it on Amazon Prime? It was there. Oh, okay, maybe Amazon. I don't have Amazon Prime. Okay, that's probably why if it's on there. Yeah, you got to get Amazon Prime, if nothing else, to see Cut. Um, it's a thriller. I do some of my best work. It's actually uh, longer than one or two years ago. 2019, we did it. And um, I play uh, this total bipolar mother of a kid who's, he's, Obsessed with um, television. What do you call it? Um, oh, darn it. For, 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 forums? Internet forums? Or isn't that what he's obsessed with? Or Isn't he like an, isn't he like a keyboard warrior or something? He's online all the time and living in a virtual yeah, world? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. And sexual, you know, getting... getting uh, uh, yeah. Porn, virtual porn yeah. and all that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm the mother from hell. And uh, it's a very emotional role, and I tear the scenery apart. There's one scene where I'm chasing this woman who he's gotten involved with down the street, and I've got an oxygen tent over my head, and I'm screaming at her. 
it's an amazing scene. And the cameraman was running along next to me real close up. And I'm screaming my head off with an oxygen temp. Oh, my God, you have to see it. Cut. Um, it's on, I know it's on Amazon Prime. It's, it got critical raves. Unfortunately, it opened just before the pandemic, or you would have heard more about it, you know? Um, yeah, it's, yeah it's that would be... I was just going to say that would be the movie most recently that I would want people to see. The others so. are, are, are in editing. And how, how, how do you, would, cause you, you've transitioned really well to, because you're, you're, like I said, you're 80 years old and you're still busy playing these parts. Obviously, the parts you're playing now are different than the parts you played when you were young. And I, I've read, you know, I'm a, you know, I just wrote on Bard fame. So I'm, I'm a Hollywood junkie. I, I know all about old films and I'm fascinated by the, the whole industry. But I, I've read so many actresses had a hard time. Like, for instance, Norma Shearer, one of my favorites, she used to be the queen of Hollywood. She basically retired from, I, I don't think there's any picture of her after she turned 40. And she, she basically had an expression saying that never let them see you after ter- you turn 40. And she, they didn't. And she never was. And there, and there, and there were other actresses like that that could never. They didn't want to transition and play older characters. But you, you seem to have made a very seamless transition there because you're busier than ever. I mean, so is it is it a different feeling or how how do you respond to playing characters now where you're playing somebody's mother or something as opposed to playing you know a sex object or something that might have been you know in the past. Oh well, it's great. You know, I I, I still am very sexy. If you. If you look at, let me think, it may even be cut where there's a scene with me nude in the bathtub. Um, wow, really? I, I've, yeah, I've had nude scenes in the past uh, three years, sure. Um, I was the first nude actress in America on stage. In 1968, um, Pulitzer Prize winner Terrence McNally wrote a play called Sweet Arrows which mm-hmm. I was nude for 45 minutes tied to a chair on stage. Really? So that doesn't bother me. I still look good. I still look good for my mm-hmm. age. Um, I do. And um, I, um, I love all characters. It doesn't matter to me whether it's a mother or grandmother, or a sex pot, whatever. Yeah. I, I just love emotional range. So I always hope to get roles where I get to show like at least five different colors. You know, from drama mm-hmm. to comedy to tears to laughter, to, and um, I haven't had to stop acting uh, ever in my life. So I told you I did it all through high school, yeah. and then I did it all, all off Broadway for ten years, and then in, in the early seventies until now, it's been all films. Occasionally, I've done a play or, or two or three, and and television. I've done a lot of television, particularly in the seventies: Kojak, Charlie's Angels, mm-hmm. Loretta. Darcy and Hush, you know, I did all the television shows in the 70s and Roger Corman kept me working. Um, yeah. Roger um, Roger had me cast his films and Julia's wife and he had me star in them and he he was training me to be a producer and a director and then I got sick with the implant. Ah, the poison <laughs> from silicone, but that didn't happen. Yeah. But um, Well, you strike me, I, you're, you're so... You're, your self-confidence just shines through and, and something like that to be on stage naked, no matter how good you look for 45 minutes, that, that shows, that shows you really have some self-esteem. That's fantastic. I, if, if everybody could be like that, it'd probably be a better world, wouldn't it? Oh, thank you, sweetheart. Well, I think I, there, if you, if you go online, 
maybe to IMDb and you scroll down and they have some quotes from me. One of my quotes is the day that nobody is embarrassed or whatever to take off all their clothes will be a healthy day. There's some quote like that that's online mm-hmm. from me. Absolutely. Um, yeah, some, some... I, I want to switch gears now, if you don't mind. Well, I, well, well, absolutely. Okay, well, can we? If you if you want to stay, which we want you to do, why don't we take a break and then we'll open up the phone lines okay. and maybe maybe we'll take some phone calls if you're up to that. Okay, sure. Um, how long is your break? Uh, probably be two, three minutes, maybe. I don't know, Chuck. Less than five minutes, I think. So, we, if you we, need to do something, okay. go ahead. Okay. We can we can Sounds make good. it as long or as short as you need it, Sally. How's about that? <laughs> okay. are, are, is that Chuck? Yes, it Chuck, is. Chuck and Don. Yes. Okay, Chuck. Okay, I'm just going to put the phone down. I'm not going to turn it off, and I'm going to go do something and come back. Okay. Okay, sounds good. You go. Uh, so we'll be. We'll, or do you want me to hang up and you want me to? You want to call me again? No, you you can hang on there. That's fine. We'll just we'll just take a break. We'll, or, oh no, did, does she? Or does she have to hang up for the phone? No, no, no. You know what? Just we'll we'll go to the break. Let her put the phone down, and we'll we'll sort it out during the break. How's that? Okay, we'll be so we'll, okay. we're going to take so a break. The, I'm not, I'm not going to turn it off. I'm just putting it down. I'm going to go in the other room for a minute or two. Okay, right. Sounds great. Okay? okay. Okay. We'll we'll be right. So we'll be right back after these words with more Sally Kirkland. In a time of fake news, fake politicians, and fake fiat currency, it's getting harder to find the genuine article. That's why when it comes to precious metals, I call the team I can trust. This is David Knight for my friends at Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange. Proudly veteran-owned and operated, Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange is your home for gold and silver coins, bullion, jewelry, and more. Prices and inventory are updated daily, so you get the most competitive possible pricing. And when it's time to sell your gold and silver items, they pay top dollar. Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange also accepts and deals in Bitcoin. Call or text the owner, Tony Arterburn, today at 888-667-1836. That's 888-667-1836. Or just go to wisewolf.gold. From bullion to Bitcoin, Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange. Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange. Hi, this is Cindy Sheehan. You're listening to The Donald Jeffrey Show. Support Chuck O'Chilly at Chili.com. There's no money in it, so yeah, that is that's the, the problem. That's the biggest problem, I think. And, uh, you know, some people would say that, look, you're in an age when you can be independently supported, but uh, quite frankly, I, I, I'm on that business model, too, and I, look, I'm not going to complain, but, uh, but I'm going to complain, <laughs> okay, because people want to support you, they love you to death, but uh, honestly... So if you're listening in, this yeah. is a very unsubtle request to support the damn show, and I want you to do this, too, because... Um, you know, uh, the Achille Report is one of the few places where Greg Palace can get his his uh, the the stuff out. I mean, you'll still see my bylaws in some of these outlets, but nevertheless, um, I used to be a regular on CNN and on MSDNC, uh, but uh, no more. Revelation through conversation. Ochilly.com. 
Go ahead, caller. Yeah, I'm interested in the truth about the JFA assassination. Right. Well, what do you want to know? Judy Baker's wild claim. Oswald girlfriend. She knew Ruby and Barry. Cancer weapons. Really? I imagine I could claim I have four wheels. It doesn't make me a wagon, but okay. Oswald was on the kill team and trying to prevent the murder of John Kennedy. Come on now. Has a real Eckert on the JFA assassination look into her claims? Go to Amazon.com. Enter Judith Baker in her own words. You'll get results for a digital copy of a book where Walt Brown utilizes her own words and the known evidence in the case to get at, well, <laughs> a different perspective, let's say. You can get Judith Barry Baker in her own words from the author himself, signed if you request it, by contacting Dr. Brown at KIASJFK at AOL.com. It's a fun book and it actually dissects the many, many fantastic claims. Judith Barry Baker in her own words. Thank you for all the great information. Revelation through comment. Conversation. The views expressed by caller schools or anyone else who happens to get on the air at Ocelli.com do not necessarily reflect the views of Ocelli.com or Chuck Ocelli. And we are not responsible for any stupidity which might ensue. Thank you. Hi there, this is John Barber, and you're listening to the most informed man in America, my friend, fellow author, and raconteur, the great Donald Jeffries Show. Hi, this is Ron Paul. You're listening to the Donald Jeffries Show. WallStreetWindow.com Gold, silver, the stock market. WallStreetWindow.com Perhaps you're invested deeply. Perhaps you're not in deep enough. Maybe you're thinking about getting started. WallStreetWindow.com Michael Swanson, the brilliant author of The War State, understood these trends professionally for many years, and now he gives you the benefit of his knowledge. WallStreetWindow.com Go there now. Go there now. Go there now. show we are talking more sally kirkland because uh, back by popular demand for the second hour uh we're having a little glitch with the phone so we're not gonna be able to up the phone line so i hope the people in the chat room will continue 
to ask some questions. And uh, you have one that Robert Shaw has been mentioned in the chat room a couple times, Sally. Did you have a connection to Robert Shaw? Yeah. Yeah, we had a love affair and I got pregnant. Oh, well. I was so young. Well, somebody here knows all about that. We were in the sting together and I was uh, so emotionally unstable uh, still being in my 20s, that I was scared to have the baby by myself, and I tried to reach him, and he wouldn't communicate with me. And so I was heartbroken, but I had an abortion. That was, uh, this was, was this, because uh, uh, this, uh, Chris in the chat room said that was his favorite movie with Jaws, so he said, did you, what was that like before, was it right before he left for Martha's Vineyard to film his fair? So obviously he knows all about it. So I'm, I'm, well, I'm sorry that, that, no, you know. What, what I just said to you, I have never said publicly before. Wow. Well, that's, uh, that's a very personal thing, and I appreciate you sharing it here, and uh, that must have been tough for you in that industry because you know obviously there's a lot of big egos a lot of powerful people so did you obviously that was a horrible experience for you but did you have because you mentioned all your friends and great people did you have any other negative experiences where where um you met people maybe even people that you admired and uh, liked and they disappointed you or they did something that you know, because we, you know, we get disappointed by people in all walks of life all the time. But I'm just wondering what kind of negative experiences you might have had in the business. No, I really haven't had any negative experiences. I've been very blessed. I, well, like I, I said, I've done 270 films and television starring roles, and uh, people have been really great with me um, ever since 1969, 70, when I did Coming Apart. With Rick mm-hmm. Torn, mm-hmm. Um, I haven't had one negative experience. I remember being offered over half a million dollars to do a role that I couldn't see myself doing because it was very anti-woman, so I turned it down, which is kind of amazing. But mm. yeah, yeah, boy, I'll say it's a lot of money. I don't know how long ago that was. It's a lot of money to to most to anybody now, pretty much. But back then, I'm sure it was even yeah, more. That was like 19. Uh, that was in 1989. Um, oh. I haven't had any negative experiences. Um, I, uh, you know, I'm an ordained minister, and um, yes, I do. I I don't do drugs. I don't drink with my parents for alcoholics, um, and I don't smoke. And so I'm boring. I <laughs> I'm on the straight and narrow, pretty much. And oh, were, uh, were you when drink. when you were giving those fabulous parties? You you didn't drink or smoke marijuana or anything Maybe like that, even then. Wine. Okay. Maybe a little wine. My last marijuana joint, well, I gave them up in 1969, became a yoga master. Mm. And then when I when I hooked up with Bob in 1975, Dylan, um, I had one marijuana joint with him. And then I gave it up again and haven't done anything since 1975. Wow, that's... I mean, I know there are other. I'm sure there are other people out there like that. But just smoking. You know, I've always wondered about Hollywood. It's uh, cigarette smoking. I smoked cigarettes way back in the day. I, I quit in '89. We were uh, going to have our first child, but um, uh-huh. because cause I always thought nothing looked uh, less cool than like old people smoking. You know, young people kind of look cool. You know, but old people in this, eh, I don't want to ever be that. But uh, and I quit the first time I ever smoked. But I I recognize even then it was a funny thing because you know. 
cigarette smoking, especially today, is kind of confined to the people who are uh, lower income levels, let's say. Except Hollywood, Maybe. for some reason, and I don't, I don't, I wonder what what it is about Hollywood that still isn't isn't it true that probably still a majority of people smoke out there, or am I wrong in assuming that? You're wrong in assuming that. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, I've been on a lot of sets. I've been on five in the last eight months. I never see anyone smoking. Never. Hmm. Okay. Well, I guess it because be, it's I don't have you know for the average person you know the cigarettes are so expensive and obviously at this point people should know their uh, the things that they can cause so hey, there's really no reason to be smoking. Um, Chuck says maybe he should get ordained in your church too, but he smokes. <laughs> <laughs> and if he can afford drugs, who knows? <laughs> now, Chuck, I want you to give up cigarettes. My parents died of emphysema. It's such a painful way to go. Uh, that's it. And you mentioned al- alcoholism. It's, it's so many yeah. people. Have, I mean, my my dad was an alcoholic. Uh, I have a couple other people in the family that have been. So many lives have been touched by that. It's it's amazing how. Uh, why why do you think? And, and your and your mom was. I don't know what your dad did, but your mom was very successful. Do you think it was because she just was uh, too many cocktail they parties? A, uh, they had a back in the day in the late forties, fifties, sixties. She had a bar in her office, and they would start the vodka martinis at eleven a.m. Yes, yes, and I it was it was still that way, you know. And my, my dad was working in the sixties. Uh, they every businessman, him and every other businessman, that, that they all kept like a, a fifth of whiskey or something in their desk. And when people came over, they came yeah. in their office. Let's have a drink, no matter what time. And you yeah. you can still you can still see Hollywood reflects that. And if you if you look at movies. Especially like the forties and fifties, uh, you can see yeah. that that it's kind of, let's, as soon as the characters enter a room, let's have a drink, and it doesn't seem to ma- matter what time of day it is. It's yeah. amazing how that's changed, but obviously that's not is not a thing out there now, right? I don't know, but I think I told you all the last time we did a radio show um, that I was pronounced dead in nineteen sixty six from a suicide attempt, and that was yes, yes, five Tall and forty Cody. Oh. Um, and that was before I got on the spiritual path that I've been on for 47 years, mm-hmm. or 48 years now. And, um, yeah, up until 66, I, like everyone, was in the fast crowd. And I never did heavy drugs. I never did that. But I did too much LSD, and that can really mess with your brain. And mm-hmm. so I went through a period of psychosis. And during that period, I got suicidal. And um, huh. so since since 66, um, I have been completely straight and narrow. And uh, I have a very happy life. I'm really happy. And I like to help people who are going through what I went through in my 20s. And, and that's partially why I became a minister, so that I could help out. And um, so I do seminars all over the country, sometimes in other countries, and I have a radio show every Monday, Healthy Life, from not, from 10 to 11 Pacific Time, 1 to 2 Eastern. And um, I, uh, very, I'm on the ministerial board of my church. We have about 5,000 people all over the world on this path, mm-hmm. which kind of combines the Christ consciousness with uh, Eastern philosophies. And uh, we believe that no soul is lost, and out of God comes all creation. 
and there's no reason to judge anybody anything because we don't know the pain going on in somebody's heart and soul. And if we did, we wouldn't judge them at all. And so I've been very lucky to be around extraordinary people who are loving and uplifting. Uh, so I see the positive side of Hollywood. I don't see the negative side. Well, that's great because you, you do you hear people that uh, that have negative stars that kind of withdraw and they don't want to be. They they almost seem like they resent their success. I've I've never understood. You know, I played around with that non borrowed fame because so many people get so many, and I'm sure you have experienced that with people you know uh, that got screwed over financially. And that was one of the themes of my book. Is that especially in the, really? the music? Oh yeah, especially the music business. Jeez, I mean, it's and, you know so uh-huh. many people people that not so much movies because movies, uh-huh. especially when you get established, you're going to get a, a salary, but. Um, at a nice salary usually, but the people that were on TV shows back in the 60s, 50s, 60s, especially and into the 70s, uh, so many of them, you know, they got screwed because they, they went into syndication and they've been rerun for decades and they didn't get a penny for that because yeah. they didn't, you know, they yeah. didn't get any, the older shows. So um, let's see, somebody's, okay, uh, I thought somebody was mentioning Vic, Vic Tabak. I don't know why, why there's a mention of Vic Tabak in the, in the thing, but so... Uh, so your spirituality saved you, and we're all certainly glad that uh, yeah, you know, that, if, that you survived anyone, that. If anyone, if anyone listening to the show is curious about what I've been into since 1973, go to msia.org, M like Mary, F like Sally, I, A like Apple, .org, and there's many, many things you can see and do free of charge that will uplift you, you know. Um, or are you are you going to go back okay. to doing the because uh, you were doing the uh, <clears throat> the well it was nightly here it was eight o'clock our time I guess it was five o'clock your time when you were doing the 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 uh, Facebook live with Reverend Sally are you planning oh, to start oh oh are you talking about the live streams that I was yes doing? yes 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 ah yeah you know what for some reason I can't technically do it with my iPhone anymore I was using my iPhone oh. in the spotlight. And I would just go on my live phone to something saying live, and I would press it, and, <laughs> and I would be live. And I, for yeah. some reason, I can't do it now. I have to go to, to Sprint and see what's the matter with my phone. Uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I, I wouldn't yeah. just do it at 5 o'clock. I did it at different times, but I really enjoyed uh, reading on the screen all the people that would give me comments. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was great, and that was very. It was so cool that you interacted with your fans like that, because and that's 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 very nice to see. Because again, some some people don't want to interact with people, but you, you can tell yeah. you really you really enjoy it. I do. I I'm a people person. I can I'm tell. Gemini rising. <laughs> Gemini rising. You're a communicator. Yeah. Well, you're definitely a communicator. Do you get? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Do you? Do you hear from do you hear from a lot of fans still? I mean, they obviously don't write. I guess they don't. Do they still still send snail mail? Do they send you lots of emails, messages on Facebook? Do people? Yeah. Do you... Yeah, I get emails. I don't get. Uh, I very rarely get hard copy anymore, but I get emails. And then, like I say, when I'm on live stream, I get a bunch of people commenting. Um, but uh, there was a time in my career where I got bunches and bunches of letters. Um, that's probably in and around when I was on the short A list, which would have been the late eighties, early nineties. Uh, 
Um, uh, and there's there's a question in the chat room. What was Robert Anglin and Jan Michael Vincent, boy, Jan Michael Vincent, like as people? Robert Anglin? Yeah, I guess that was the guy Robert from the. Robert Anglin. Yeah, that was the horror movie. What, what, you know, uh, what horror movie series did he? That uh, was it. Nightmare on Elm Street. What one of those? Yes, ones he, he played was, Freddy Krueger, Don. Freddy Krueger. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. I met him once. I can't say he was a friend. We both were at the same convention signing, uh, oh, okay. signing um, pictures. But uh, uh, Jan Michael Vincent was my friend. We, we did Bite the Bullet together, which was a 10-week shoot. So we hung out for 10 weeks. He was a great guy. It's so sad that his life ended so tragically. Oh, he, um, he was such such a good-looking young guy, and he just he just... He was like one of those Hollywood tragedies that you hear about, really, because he just yeah. he had, had a lot of unfor- unfortunate bad luck, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, really. Had the am- amputation of yeah. his legs, I think. And, um, yeah, that was alcohol, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so, did you ever? My, my father, yeah? No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Did, did you, your father what? My father, my father was an alcoholic, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I watched him. Um, what do they call it? Like a blackout? Alcoholics call it a blackout. Mm-hmm. He go through periods where he didn't even remember days later what he had done. Yes. Um, he he was up and down and up and down. And um, I I never touched this stuff, and I'm grateful to my father because watching him <laughs> made me hate alcohol. You know, yeah, I, it does. I don't do any any alcohol. Um, but um, Jan was great. I loved him. Um, trying to remember who directed us was it Richard Brooks, um, famous director, and uh, Brenda Vaccaro. Oh no, I did another movie with Jan with Brenda Vaccaro called Going Home. Robert Mitchum was the star, mm-hmm. and I played Robert Mitchum's wife in the in the mm-hmm. what do you call it in the when they go back in time. What do you call it? Um, uh, well, with fla- flashback, flashback, or yeah, 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 to- yeah, yeah. In the flashback, I play his wife, and either he pushes me or I fall down the stairs. It's very dramatic. Uh, and I got to know Mitchum a little bit, and I would sit at his feet yeah. and listen to his Hollywood stories. Yeah, that must have been great. One of the first and big Jan marijuana smokers in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Chad Michael Vincent was in the movie, too. So I did two movies with him, Going Home and Bite the Bullet. Yeah. Did you did you know? Because Mitchum was basically he came in at the tail end of the golden age, but he was basically a golden age. Did you get to meet any of the? Because uh, when you first came in Hollywood, some of those people were still alive. Cary Grant, who was married to Diane Cannon, maybe you ran in the crowd with her. Did you get to meet any of these real screen legends? Well, you have to throw me names. I, I Diane's a really good friend, but uh, my mother was friends with Cary Grant, but not me. Okay, how about uh, Betty Davis, Joan Crawford, any of those people? Betty, Betty Davis lived on my block where I am right now. Um, I met her once because we had the same publicist, a man named John Springer, and uh, I got to tell her how much I loved her. Oh, what was the name of this? She was up for the Oscar the same year I was up for the Oscar. A uh, Will August. Will. Oh August. yes, yes, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. So I got to I got to tell her how much I loved her in that movie and and what a fan I was of all of her work and her independence and her outspokenness and her standing up against the studios. And so I had that kind of a one-time experience with her. And of course yeah. you're friends with she- Shelly. Shelly Winters is kind of like she getting in. Shelly Winters I lived with. 
Yeah, yeah. I love Lucy so, Kelly. Both of you. Well, she must. She must have. She must have introduced you to some old stars, didn't she? Wasn't she friends with some of them still? Oh yeah, I'm sure. But you have to name names. You have to throw names at me. Okay, well, I'm trying to think who she would. Well, she was. Uh, well, Montgomery Cliff was. I he, guess. Yeah, Shelley. Shelley. Uh, Shelley absolutely did introduce me to Montgomery Cliff. Mm-hmm. I was so blown away. I was on stage. I was in a play with her called Days of the Dancing, and I was one of the dancers. And I was so blown away when I realized Monty Cliff was in the audience during rehearsal at the Studebaker Theater in New York on Broadway, watching me, that there was an accident that got kicked in the head because I wasn't paying attention. There was blood streaming all over the place. Shelly got mad at me. She said, only you would create an accident. The one day that Monty Cliff is here (laughs) with me, and, and he ran up to me and he said, oh, please let me help you. Uh, Sally and so he and Shelly and I went to the hospital together and uh, Shelly was pissed off at me because she figured I created you know more attention than I needed to (laughs) the one day Monty was there he was so kind to me and I got to tell him you know that I absolutely thought he was the greatest actor in Hollywood and um, yeah uh and then I became close with Farley Granger, who may still be alive. I think he. I think he. Um, I think he is. Yeah, and and they were really really close friends. Um, so you're right. I did meet people through her. I'm just drawing a blank right now, but as a minister, I did last rites for her. I was her caretaker when she was in the hospital the last couple of years of her life. Um, like I said, I lived with her. Um, she taught me everything I know about uh, when you're an actor, when the audience thinks they're going to cry, make them laugh. When they think they're going to laugh, make them cry. Um, she got me into the actor's studio at the age of 18. I became the youngest member of the actor's studio back when Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward and Rick Torn and, and Geraldine Page and Kim Stanley, all these heavy hitters were there, and I was. What, 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 what were what were all those method actors like? I mean, was it? I mean, did you were they difficult? They were so intense. Were they difficult to be around when they weren't acting, or what, what was it like being in the actor studio? Well, I am in the actor studio and have been all these years since the early sixties. No, I would say that's not true. Method acting means truth. It doesn't mean that you're going to fake anything. And so you just use your own personal experience. Like um, if I saw a child killed, and in real life I never saw a child killed, I might use the experience of my dog who I had 18 years, and when he died, and I would Mm -hmm. hold the pretend dog in my lap and feel his fur and hear his purring and, and smell him create that shock of him dying. And, and the audience would think that I was referring to a child, but the audience doesn't know what I'm using as a method actor, you see. So there's three things you want to know if you're a method actor. One is emotional recall. The other is personalization. You go through the script and you just personalize each person you're talking to or talking about for someone real in your life. And the third thing is called as if as if I saw a child murdered, you know, I'm mm-hmm, looking mm-hmm. at TV now with, with, the, with the 19 children that were killed yesterday. I'd like to read you to something that I wrote. Um, sure, sure. It's not long, it's not long. It's about what we all just witnessed. 
Okay. On television. Hold on. Going into my computer. Farley, um, Ra- Farley Ranger, by the way, the, the chat room has found that he died in uh, March 27th, 2011. So both of us were wrong. I guess he's, I thought he was dead. Oh, wow. Wasn't long, long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank, you. yeah. Thank you for telling me that. Uh, the time flies, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Oh, I wonder where I put this. I have a Sally Perkins fan page, and lately that's been working more easily than the Sally Kirkland page. Here we go, okay? Okay. This is the Reverend Sally Kirkland. Okay. Dear Father, Mother, God. Dear Father, Mother, God. We pray for the souls of the 19 little children who lost their lives today with this tragic and senseless mass murder in Uvalde, Texas. We pray also for the adults who lost their lives. God, I hate guns. I have all my life. Gandhi demonstrated with his life's mission, Ahimsa, which in Sanskrit means harmlessness. Dear God, hear my heart speak. We send our light to the Senate and Congress to stand up to the gun lobby. Please more, much more gun regulations, more attention to the mental health situation in this country. Other countries don't have mass murders the way America does. Enough is enough. I ask Jesus Christ for a spiritual intervention. I pray for the families of these dear children and the two adults. Lord, we pray for all of the souls involved. Amen. Amen. That's beautifully put, Sally. Thanks for sharing that. Um, The chat room, again, you have some fans in the chat room. Uh, they know that you. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't know you guest starred on it because uh, Shelly Winters. I remember Shelly Winters played Roseanne's uh, grandmother. I guess oh, on yeah, Roseanne, I and, and, she, and you guest starred. Yes, yeah, they want to know what uh, they want to know what John Goodman was like. Oh, John Goodman was so great. Uh, I think he's a member of the actor studio, and I would go to his um, dressing room and hang out with him. And John Goodman loved Shakespeare. Um, he was really pissed off that no one asked him to do Shakespeare because much as he appreciated his success on Roseanne, what he really wanted to do in his life was to do Shakespeare. So he and I would talk about Shakespeare. I'm, I'm lucky I've done about eight Shakespeare plays, um, and he was fascinated about that. So he wanted me to tell him about all the roles, I, all the Shakespearean roles I had done, which would be um, Miranda and the Tempest and... Mm-hmm. Um, Violet and Twelfth Night and um, uh, what's her name in Hamlet? The um, yeah. uh, The one that. Uh, what's her name? And, uh, uh, I should know my Shakespeare better. Chat room, please. <laughs> we have to throw conspiracy <laughs> questions at them. But the, uh, they, they did you uh, did you ever? They want to know in here. Did you ever? And this catches on a question actually. My wife was mentioning before the show. Did you ever cross over to comedy troops like uh, Second City, Groundhogs, or, or even Saturday Night Live? My wife wanted to know. Ask her if she's ever hosted Saturday Night Live. So, uh, did you ever experience with any of those comedy no, troops? No, I, I, I would love to be asked to be on Saturday Night Live. I met Lauren. Uh, Lauren, Michaels, Lauren. yeah, Lauren, mm-hmm. Lauren, Mike, Michaels, then, right? Did did Sally I'm mean Ophelia? Gonna... By the way, in Hamlet. Yeah, yeah. I okay. played Ophelia. I played uh, Queen Margaret and Richard Six. III. I played Lady Anne and Richard III. But no, I want to answer that question. I, um, I, uh, Lauren Michaels. I auditioned for. No, I'm I'm jumping from that. Oh yeah, George Harrison 
and and Bob Dylan introduced me to Lorne Michaels. Wow. Uh, that was amazing to be with the three of them alone, just me and them. <laughs> You've had an incredible life, Sally. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to jump to the comedy. I auditioned for Second City in New York, I think in the 70s, and Did Barbara you? Harris beat me out. Barbara Harris got oh. the spot, and of course she was a genius, so I never did do Second City. I, uh, when I was teaching acting at the Lee Strasberg Theater Institute, one of my students was Kathy Griffin. And I told her, I said, look, I know you think you're a dramatic actress, but I think you're a comedian. So go to the Groundlings. And she did. And she became uh, a Groundling actor. And then she wrote her one woman show and became Kathy Griffin. Um, I've always learned comedy. I learned comedy from Harvey uh, Lundbeck. And the reason why mm-hmm. I learned it was that I was dating, dating John Ritter at the time. And I met Robin oh, Williams. Yeah. No, he, he. I said to him, "How did you?" I was on Three's Company, and I said, "How did you learn to be so funny?" And he said, "Come with me." And he brought me to Harvey Lundbeck's class, and Harvey knew my work, and put me on stage with Robin Williams, then unknown, and John Ritter. And I was absolutely horrified, trying to keep up with those two guys, and um, so I joined the class, and I learned how to do what's called theater games which are all these comedy exercises, gibberish and freeze frame and all these things. And Robin and I became friends. I was absolutely devastated when he died and how yeah, he died. Yeah, yes. Um, and uh, I, I have them to thank Robin and John for being my comedy partner and teaching me all their tricks. Um, so. Well, yeah, second, second I, city, I, second city. When, when you tried out for Second City, because I'm a huge SCTV fan, did you get to meet any of the people? Because Second City, most people don't realize, the Saturday Night Live and SCTV people kind of work together there. So you had Gilda Radner and Eugene yeah. Levy and uh, Joe Flaherty, Bill Murray and Ackroyd. All these yeah. people were there at the same time. Did you did you run across any of those people? Not in Second City. Paul Sand, do you know his work? Paul Sand, he was one of the stars yes. of Second City. yes. Uh, uh, I, I met Dan McElroy and Bill Murray just once, you know, socially, but I can't say I, I got close to them. But Paul Sand became a best friend. This is back in New York uh, in the 60s, maybe. Um, but I wanted so bad to be in Second City because I had a crush on Paul Sand. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but that, like I said, they took Barbara Harris. I don't know if you know her. Work sure, sure. Yeah, she was yeah. around for a long time. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she beat me out of that one spot. Wasn't um, she in the war with, but, war between men and women with Jack Lemmon? I think wasn't that movie, one of the movies she was in? Wasn't that Barbara know. Harris? I yeah, know. yeah. Um, if you all saw my movie Cold Feet, where I get to act with Tom Waits and Keith Carradine. Oh, I love Tom. Harris, love Tom Waits. Um, Tom Waits, yeah. Very funny. Very funny. And I believe that's on Amazon Prime. So that's I got. I'm gonna have to get Amazon Prime, I guess, to watch your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. great stuff. That, uh, God, I forgot. I was gonna ask you now. Uh, what? <laughs> We're going over so many different things that I was going in one direction, and I was talking to my a second city. Oh, oh, I know what it was. I need to. I hope my friend Nick Mancuso is listening. Did Did you ever work with Nick Mancuso? Nick he's, Mancuso. Yeah. He's, what did he, he do? He lives in Paris. Yeah, he's a great guy. Uh, What did I do with him? He just mentioned that he worked with him. Oh, he does? Yeah. Is he he listening to this now? 
I I hope he no. is. I don't know. He's in Paris. So what time is it in Paris now? I don't know. That's where he lives. <laughs> Uh, Nick Mancuso, he, he uh, not in the past year, but up until the past year or pandemic or whatnot, he, he would send me messages all the time I would get on um, online. He was he was he was on this. He's on. He was on the show. I don't know. It's probably been a couple of months ago. And he, he was, he's been on the show two or three times, actually. It's a great guy. They're always interesting. He's like a guy. Yes, he's like a renaissance man because, you know, he's a writer and everything, too. And he's very knowledgeable. He'll tell you about the history history of Sicily because, you know, people came from Sicily. So he'll tell you all about Sicily. Wow, that's great. And he's a very handsome man. I remember him being very handsome. Absolutely, yeah. He's the first, first movie he ever worked in was with was Raquel Welch. And I'm saying it's amazing talking to people like this because, you know, I'm a teenager and I, you know, I, I remember Raquel Welch very well in the – one million years BC or whatever it was when she was running around in a bikini in the in, in caveman right. days or something. <laughs> but uh, dressed, yes, yeah, very funny. So, so I'm trying to think who who else you might have. Shelley Winters obviously had all of the, uh, and then she transitioned to TV too, working with uh, you know Roseanne. Well, she and I were with Roseanne. Yeah. So my character's name was Barbara Seeley, and my son in real life was Johnny Galecki. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and his his name was David Healy on the show, and I had to hit him in the face. I said, "Roseanne, you don't really want me to smack Johnny Galecki in the face, do you?" And she said, "Yes, that's the way <laughs> I remember it." And I was horrified. I said to Johnny, "I'll just pretend." He said, "No, I want you to really hit me." So I really hit him, and I got emails and phone calls and letters from all over the country about when I hit him in the face and they said that that was one of their favorite moments on television ever uh, that they were they felt bad for me the mother that I was it was a, a tricky moment as an actor because I had to be mean and at the same time vulnerable and yeah. a lot of people were struck by that and you'd be amazed how much feedback I got on that one show that was on the show again when I kicked him out of my house but Roseanne was a big fan of my work, and we did a movie that not that many people saw called uh, The Woman Who Loved Elvis. And she and Tom Arnold and myself went to Iowa, where Tom Arnold grew up, mm-hmm. and we filmed it there. And there was, a, there was a moment in the film where she came to me and she asked me if I would teach her how to cry on cue, because there was a scene where, where he crashed his motorcycle, and... She was horrified at, you know, was he going to live or die or whatever. And and so I took her through an emotional recall. And pretty soon the tears were streaming her face. No, I, I took her through it as if, as if Tom really died with the motorcycle accident. Mm-hmm. And, and she started crying. And I went to Bill Bixby, who was directing. And I said, quick, put the camera on. Let ah. her do her monologue three times with those tears. And he did what I said. And it was one of her most fond moments of her acting career bill bill bixby um, directed directed roseanne episodes not not the series the movie called the woman who loved Elvis. oh 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 okay right. yes yeah, say yeah yeah it was easy. he was a, he was a, that my favorite martian you know incredible kind of, bill bixby died way too soon obviously no, but, but he 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 did the incredible hulk yes which i guess starred on and he loved my mm. work so much that he gave me this great paragraph and I, I bought um, for 3000 a full-page variety with Bill Bixby's quote that went through the whole page. 
and I got about three jobs out of that. Wow, that's so, incredible. Man, you just, you know, everybody. Now, if you were on Roseanne, you must have run across one of my fans. That, thanks to Chris, who's in the chat room. He's actually on the tournament. I never used to watch Norm MacDonald much, but after he died, he sent me, and I, I never realized how funny this guy was. And he was a writer on Roseanne. Did you, did you uh, happen to come across Norm MacDonald? I, I met him. I don't, you know, it's a long time ago. All I know is that they were great with me. The, the writers were fabulous, and they, they, uh, I did the one show, and then the second time they were writing specifically for me. It was really nice. Um, I, that was one of the nicest working condition shows I had. Yeah. Okay, and there was apparently I, I didn't know Bill Bixby had that. Apparently, he did direct sitcom episodes like Blossom. I'm learning in the chat room. Chat rooms all wow. over these oh, things. Really? Yeah. So they say, and yeah, they're he's the nicest uh, guy. He just was so nice, Bill Bixby. Yeah, he, he yeah he was. Shame, it's a shame that he had cancer, right? Yeah, and it's just you know again as as a little kid, you know my favorite Martian, courtship of Eddie's father. So he was very familiar character. Uh, yeah, yeah, hear me out, hear me out, you guys. I have to take this call. I hope I won't lose you. If I do, you have this number three one zero nine two four five eight for all. Okay, okay, yep. sure. Take we call. got it. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, this is Hollywood, folks. See, this is what you get. <laughs> Right, I'm just here to back you up real quick, Don. Not trying well, to evade your show, but just uh, just a comment on what it is we've been listening to. Uh, man, this is uh, oh, okay. oh, she's back. Never I'm, mind. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving up on the other call. Okay, I'm going to try again. Hold on. Okay, so she's on there. Go ahead. Uh, oh, okay. But well, anyway, as I was saying, very interesting, and of course, live radio, so none of this is planned, obviously. Uh, and it's really interesting to, uh, to hear her go through these different stories and, uh, try and set you straight on, on a couple of different things, right? Um, where it's like, well, you know, I don't really remember this and that. And the third thing, I bet you there's a hundred things she doesn't remember that would be memorable yeah. to us. You know, it's always, yeah. uh, from the performer's side, it's always interesting to take a look at it, you know, from their perspective, because just because it's, you know, extremely meaningful to us you know, um, doesn't necessarily mean it's anything more than a job to some of them. And it's, uh, it's interesting to hear it from the other side. And of course, uh, she, she's been a, a fascinating and, and, uh, riveting guest the whole way through. So this is, uh, one of those shows that, Hey, look, you know what? We took the break at a weird time. It is what it is. <laughs> it got started late, but, uh, yeah, this, you know, really worth good. If you're, if you're not listening to this live, you're, you're catching a good show. Uh, cause uh, this, she's just, Fascinating. Just, just, just that one scene alone when she's describing being alone in a room with Bob Dylan, George Harrison, and Lauren Michaels. Like, well, I, I love the the strip club with Oliver Stone and uh, uh, Kevin uh, Kevin uh, Costner, Kevin Costner, which is hilarious to think about that she goes there, and you know that had to be a strip club in L.A. Because uh, I, I don't think they have the unions for the ones in Texas, but in Los Angeles, yeah, you do have to be part of a union to be a stripper. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and the regulation. Power, do they have good benefits? I hope. I, you know, I don't know that much about it, but but I do know that uh, indeed there, there's like certain regulations and things you got to follow, and every state varies, right? Uh, and, and sometimes they give them even temporary passes for like a celebrity. Because I don't know if you know about this, but celebrity strippers come through. See, working as a bouncer, Don, you get to see it from that side, right? 
Um, right. <laughs> so That's sometimes true. they get a special permit for these like celebrity strippers that come through, which could be porno actresses or you know some other. Uh, like, you know, Jessica Hahn was a high-priced uh, uh, strip club uh, yes. appearance yeah, at one yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, a lot of women who did the Howard Stern show, just because they yeah. were on the Howard Stern show, would be like, all of a sudden, they could book for thousands of dollars up and down the East Coast, even back in the 90s when I was working as a bouncer. So it's yeah. really fascinating. It's like, she's like, oh, well, I couldn't believe it. I, I wasn't part of the union, so I couldn't strip. and. That's yeah. hilarious. Um, well, I bet that I bet I bet I bet the strippers union really has age discrimination involved in it. No question about it. Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> they do not. <laughs> if you pay your dues and you work and you don't get busted yeah. for prostitution, that's usually the three things. Uh, right. if, if you do all that, uh, they they usually have no problem. Um, and uh, it, it's funny because New Jersey went in and out of phase with this a couple of times with, you know, they tried to unionize, uh, and, and it went really weird. Uh, so, you know, and, and at a certain point, listen, let's just be honest, there was a couple of places uh, you could walk in off the street, and, and they encouraged it. As a matter of fact, women want to walk in off the street and give it a try, let's go. Uh, a lot of those places were, um, let's just say, uh, Italian-owned. Uh, and <laughs> But... They did it all the time, and I'm telling you now, um, the the oddities, that, that's another thing that goes on, is the oddities would, would come through, and you see that more on the East Coast than the West Coast, because again, California is so highly regulated that indeed, the uh, the strip club union thing is, uh, you know, nope, we can't allow that, because then they'll get uh, lack of cooperation from the strippers union, they won't have any strippers. Uh, that's what will happen to a club in L.A., <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Atlanta, Florida, forget it. It's like the Wild West, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyhow, I know that that's not what you want to talk about. But I'm just saying, just listening to all these different aspects from Sally are really incredible. So, um, yeah. and unfortunately, I mean, you don't have a lot more time left in your show, and i got to start yeah. mine uh, yes. in Sally less than or, 10 I minutes. Guess, so. I, I guess Sally's – can you tell us she's still online? I'll, t- I'll take a look and see if she's still connected here. But I, I think she is, but she may be – I don't know. She had a thing there where she might have to go somewhere or – Yeah, you yeah. Know, well, she said if, if you can call me back if I get disconnected. But has she been dis- – can you tell? She has not been disconnected as of now. Okay. But we're probably, like, on the other line on hold. So might maybe yeah. it's something important. <laughs> Oh, well, it could um, be Bob Dylan, could be Bob Robert De Niro. I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> could be, could be. Uh, you know, may, may, maybe it's the next big role. Somebody was just listening to this and decided, you know, Sally would be perfect. Because she yeah. said, I, I'll play a grandmother, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, sex pot grandma, I, let's go. She's willing to still do nude scenes. Nude you know, scenes? That's, <laughs> that's pretty great. Well, yeah, because that thing, <laughs> Cuck, right? She said she was nude in a bed. See, again, another Her interesting. Bed? Yeah. That was yeah. 2019, right? Yes, yeah. So if she's 80 now, which she said she was 80, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, 77, so, yeah. Yeah, so, okay, 77. So, in other words, she's 74 years old and still going, yeah, I'll, I'll do topless. That's yeah. something. <laughs> I mean, especially that's considering. Co- that's confidence, yeah. Well, and she had the breast implants removed, too. So, you know, it's not yeah. like she had the, uh, which she talked about briefly there. I mean, there's a lot going on here, man. I mean, her ministerial yeah. actions, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. whoa. She's yeah. Are you back? Sally? No. no, I don't think I she's thought, she's I don't think she's come back to the line, sorry. Oh I thought I thought I thought her her voice there. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean she's got so many aspects to her and of course the 
the JFK thing, and I wanted her to promote the books. I mean, that that movie, uh, eighty for Brady. That sounds that's pretty because Jane Fonda, boy, if you see, still looks incredible. It's amazing. I think Jane Fonda may end up being the first hot hundred year old if she lives that long. Really? Like she just she looks still looks and she's over eighty, and she just boy, she's I don't know. She looks uh, you know I don't know what's. <laughs> What she might look like without makeup, but the image is still good. It's amazing. Sally Field, incredible. Sally, I don't think Sally Field's that old. She's seventies, I think, but um, well, yeah, still yeah, pretty much. You know, seventies. And, 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 and Bob Wilson <laughs> is listening out there. What he'll tell is he always yeah. gets, he always he says you're so sick. I mean, I'm saying somebody looks. He thinks like I only like eighty year olds or something. You're just, no, no. I'm just paying tip of the hat to somebody that looks good at that age. You got to give him credit. But listen, last time I got a look at Sally Kirkland, uh, in, in case, you know, he thinks you're sick, let me join you. Because last time I got a look at her, I, I got to be honest with you, she said, oh, I'd like younger men. I went, gee, too bad I'm not single. Because, I, you know, 50, I'm a, I'm a baby to her. So, hey, what's up? Uh, she That's said, right. you know, That's she right. is not bad looking at all um, and never yeah, was yeah. bad looking. So, yeah. You know, I, I mean, look, I oh, now you're objectifying women, O'Chelly. Yeah, I know. But I, I got to be honest with you. Part of my brain's always going to do that. And uh, yeah, if you can't me, deal me with too. it, I don't know what to tell you. Um, so, um, no, really, it's it's interesting. And look, I, I got to tell you, I always um, appreciated the look of a mature woman anyway, even when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when I was in my 20s, I really thought some of the hottest women I ever saw were in their 40s and 50s. Which is oh, a pretty yeah, good. Yeah, when you're, yeah, that's Miss. Yeah. That's the Mrs. Robinson complex. That's why that movie is so popular. We all fantasized about that when we were young. Well, I didn't. I, I don't think we all did. Uh, and, and it's not like oh, I fantasized I about it. It's just that I would look at them differently from my my peers, who would be like, "Well, that's an old lady already," and I'd be like, right, "She don't right. look old," you know. She <laughs> she's mature, uh, yeah. you know. But before the porno industry grabbed a hold of that, you know, mature. Uh, no, the mature woman always uh, uh, appealed to me. I mean, so you know, and, and I'm not saying I don't like the, uh, the 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 baby faces that I used to encounter in my 20s. I mean, I, I loved women of all ages, and uh, didn't discriminate that much. I would say, um, <laughs> except I got to tell you, it, it really, uh, I, too skinny is too skinny. I got that limit, but um, but other than that, you know, it, it really. Uh, Sally Kirkland, come on, man! What, what what is wrong with you if you don't think that she's at least attractive, and even oh, now, she's wonderful, she sure is, and she's so cool. She's such an interesting person. Why wouldn't who wouldn't want to hang out with her? I mean, you're you're just just look at the stories we've heard. That, and she's you know she's saying hit me with some names. I'm sure if I, I, I mean, she's met almost everybody. Well, see, that's she the didn't... funny thing though is even okay, Don, you're not as old as she is, and you have not you know no offense to you, but you have not met as many people as she has and <laughs> no. you're not having parties with 500 freaking guests at your house okay no, so no. all i'm saying is that she could very easily forget about you know a, a, a thousand people and still remember most of the people you want to know about uh you know you and i uh, look and i've been worldly <laughs> okay but never <laughs> have i had 500 people at a party i was running uh no. i've been at one of those kind of parties a couple of yeah. times but you know, I wasn't holding those parties, and people didn't know me by name at the time. <laughs> you know, I would have loved to. Have been, I would have loved. I would, is that her? No, I, I thought. I, I, thought, I keep hearing like an accent in the back. 
Yeah. Well, Sally, I don't know. She, she, she must, it must be an important call. I'd like to see if we can get her back just to close out and she can promote anything she wants to promote. Yeah, but. we've only got about three minutes. I mean, if you want to yeah. go to a, a like a real quick break, I'll, I'll do that uh, and, and see if we can pull her back in. But uh, but I don't know I don't know how that'll work. And really, you're you're almost out of time. So uh, yeah, I guess we'll just if she doesn't come back, I'll just you know talk to her off the air and. But uh, yeah, it is what it, it was. It was a great interview, nonetheless. I just would have liked to close it out. And uh, but I'm you know sure you can find her at uh, actually she, there is a SallyKirkland.com. Right. So she has a website, so you can go there and check and, it out. And y- yes, Chris, I did have a, I did like Barbarella. He's talking about Jane Fonda when she was young. Barbarella, right. yes. And I did par- <laughs> post the uh, the uh, uh, church's website that she uh, uh, was mentioning there in the uh, Ocelli chat room a couple of times, and I'll make sure to include it with the show notes. But you, you can always see Don writes his own show notes. So whatever it is, you can include it and people can look down since, you know, most people are going to get this with the podcast. Go ahead and look down with the show notes. I always include what the guys write for me uh, in the show notes. So, Don, it's up to you to put in SallyKirkland.com and uh, yes, whatever sure. else. I mean, I might attach her IMDb, but that's a lot of reading because she's in tons of stuff uh, yes, she is. And, and has been. And it's a long career. Uh, really fascinating, really diverse, and uh, this is uh, one one of one of the most uh, uh, fascinating. And uh, really, you, you gotta you gotta try and have her back on for a part two, Don. I think. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I think we can probably swing it. Yeah, we'll do that, and hopefully we can. Uh, yeah, yeah, that would be cool. Yes. Yeah, so uh, well, once once her films come out, you know, and she and the fact she talked to RFK, she was on RFK Junior's show like three times. That's amazing. Right. So we had that that whole thing. You know, that's. That's really cool because since she had that whole, we didn't talk about that that much, but you know, we went into her what she went through with the vaccine, and now she's she's awake on that. So uh, you know, and she's had all of her sons JFK. She has the Hollywood connection. So yeah, what's not to like? Yeah. So anyway, Don, you got your homework there because she's going to help you out with the publishing thing and all that, and uh, I think she might be able to network you just a little bit into her network, which would be uh, something fascinating. And uh, you did you did a solid presentation, a solid uh, thing bringing her on today. I, even the transition, by the way, another thing that we didn't even discuss real fast is the transition from trusting you know the doctors to uh, you know trusting the science to uh, maybe understanding you, you're getting screwed by oh, it. Oh, she she she's saying Sally says call her back. You want to call her back so we can say goodbye. It's a uh, three one three one. Yeah, I, don't yeah, know I got I got it. Oh, don't say it on the air. No, 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 okay. don't say it oh, on the okay. air. I didn't say it. I didn't do it all. Okay. No, no, I I I got you. But look, look, here's what we'll do, guys. Um, I'll bring it back around and uh, we'll, we'll go to this very quick little break. All right, just real fast. I'm going to stick in a random commercial. Wait a minute. Let me let me try and get yours, the one that you need to run with it. And now I'm going to be running over on my own show. I'll do that for you, Don. Why not? Well, right. I just wanted to come back and say goodbye. So I, I know that we can at least close out. Yeah, I know, I know. And I didn't want to. Ho- I was really just just uh, filling time here to try and get her back. So yeah. uh, let's let's see what we can do here. Um, buh, 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 buh. right. Okay. So the Don Jeffrey Show return uh, hopefully right after this.
time of fake news, fake politicians, and fake fiat currency, it's getting harder to find the genuine article. That's why when it comes to precious metals, I call the team I can trust. This is David Knight from my friends at Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange. Proudly veteran-owned and operated, Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange is your home for gold and silver coins, bullion, jewelry, and more. Prices and inventory are updated daily, so you get the most competitive possible pricing. And when it's time to sell your gold and silver items, they pay top dollar. Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange also accepts and deals in Bitcoin. Call or text the owner, Tony Arterburn, today at 888-667-1836. That's 888-667-1836. Or just go to wisewolf.gold. From bullion to Bitcoin, Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange. Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange. And welcome back to the Donald Jeffrey Show. We, uh, we're just going to close out here real quick because uh, Sally Kirkland is back, and I just wanted to thank her for a fantastic interview, rave review, Sally. We'd have to have you back because you're, you're – you're st- <laughs> I could I could spend that evening with you so easily just listening to, you, to your stories. It's amazing. But is, oh, go ahead, thank you. Go ahead, go ahead and promote anything you want to promote, and uh, tell the people where they can find you. Okay. Well, first I want to ask: um, Will this only air once, or is it in? Um, oh no! Have it on, uh... Oh, it, it, the, I'll send you the archive show. It'll, it'll air. Okay. Many. It, it's going to go out uh, on tape delay to several radio stations across the country, mostly in the West. Really. And then, yeah, and then it'll uh, several it'll several on. places on live on on uh, terrestrial radio and also everywhere where podcasts are available, Sally. So people will hear this and oh, can great. hear this for a long time. Oh, thank you guys. Well, all I want to say is I had a blast with Don and Chuck and uh, SallyKirkland.com is my website. Although um, uh, I don't know how up to date it is, but I told you guys the films that I just done. Um, Yes. And um, one of my favorite films you'd enjoy is Ed TV, where I play Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson's mother. Yes, yes. Yeah, and um, uh, I have a small scene with Jim Carrey, and um, what's the name of that? Uh, you said it earlier on, film I do with Jim Carrey. Um, um, Bruce Almighty. Bruce oh, yes, Almighty. Bruce, yes, yeah. And that film, Cuck, C-U-C-K, all, mm-hmm. uh, Amazon Prime. Um, anyway... Um, www.healthylife.net every Monday I'm on from 10 to 11 Pacific and 1 to 2 Eastern it goes to 150 countries and um, uh, that's about that's all I can think of Um, I'm so grateful that you're interested in me this way and uh, as a minister from the Church of the Movement of Spiritual Inner Awareness I say Father Mother God we ask just now that your light and love surround protection so everybody listening to this radio show. And we pray for health, happiness, peace, joy, serenity, abundance, prosperity, and, of course, the grace of God. So be it. Oh, amen. Amen, Sally Kirkland. Thank you so much again. It's a joy. We'll have to have you back on because this has just you know, been a great pleasure. And I know the audience enjoyed it, too. So thanks so much for listening to The Donald Jeffries Show. And stay Thank tuned. Thank you, for- Donald. <laughs> Thank you, Sally. Take care. Okay.